Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back to Canucks After Dark. The January 23rd edition, the no longer uh, head coach Bruce Boudreaux edition, the Rick Talkett edition. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, Clay. Um, but first off, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Parker, all things considered. Um, not a surprise what happened over the weekend. I know we're going to break it all down. But overall, I, I feel good. I feel good. I feel optimistic. I feel uh, hopeful. <laughs> and I feel happy that uh, you and I get to talk about all things Canucks with uh, a few dozen of our closest friends for the next hour. So I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm good. I am uh, a bit mixed emotionally on yeah. uh, on sort of the state of the team and, you know, happy that the one chapter is finally ended that has been dragged out um, very publicly. Um, yeah. Although there might be some people that say it wasn't public at all and it, the decision was made yesterday, which, of course, is uh, the truth. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's nice that, you know, everything sort of finally happened that was said was going to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, we get a little taste of, of Rick Talkett, uh, you know, in front of the media this morning, especially after practice and, yep. uh, and all that for us to talk about. So definitely a lot for us to go into, uh, including some trade speculation and all this other stuff, because we're only what a month and a half away from trade deadline. Yep. Um, and you know, the Canucks are further and further and further away from from being anywhere close to a playoff spot right there's somewhere around two percent now so we can uh they, they are much closer to the bedard watch than they are to the stanley cup playoffs watch um yeah which is probably best and i will uh, say parker i think i'm gonna blame you i can now say the word tank without like getting a funny feeling in my stomach without whoa. having to run. yeah and it was because of you i remember you uh you didn't trick me and you joked about about it with sam on on uh game over vancouver I think I tweeted out a title of one of our of our live streams here and had the word tank in it and I didn't even delete it or whatever and then uh I, I'm I'm as much as I don't didn't want them to I, I'm not an idiot. I, I know where we are in the standings now and I know how far we are out of playoff spot. So they're never gonna admit it, they're never gonna say it themselves, but I get that every time we lose, it's better than every time we win. I actually understand that now. This is a, a crazy arc that we have taken. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm glad to have been maybe a cause in, uh, yes. in that for sure. There you go. Um, I feel like I've won. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's, uh, let's go over sort of the plans here. We're going to go over the three, uh, the three losses. Cause that's yeah. what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, the, obviously the Boudreaux firing, the target hiring Gonchar, Adam foot, Mike, Yo still being there. Yeah. Horvat. <laughs> Uh, yep. and, and sort of, you know, go over some of the things that we've heard, uh, you know, that, that Rutherford press conference, that was a bit of a debacle. And then yep. the, uh, you know, talk it's availability both yesterday and this morning or today after practice, first uh, practice, so a, you got it. A, yep. a, a bunch of stuff. Um, do we want to just start with, with the boring stuff, the three quick losses that we can fire through? Yeah. And much like last week, I think we can get through them pretty quickly and uh, yeah, I anticipate a really big show tonight. Obviously, last Monday, Jim Rutherford held court for an hour, basically, that day. And Jim Rutherford held court for another 50 minutes yesterday. So it seems like anytime Rutherford speaks, people want to come here to listen to what we have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So let's uh, let's start off with the three games. First off, yep. Lightning in Vancouver. The skate gets freed. Uh, it's the Geno Ojek tribute night. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and uh, and it's also a historic night for Steven Stamkos, who scores not only his 500th NHL goal, but also his 501st and 502nd NHL goals. The least surprising storyline possible. Um, Lightning go up 4 nothing in the first. Uh, Canucks get two back halfway through the third period with a couple of power play goals. Uh, make you think, oh, maybe they're going to find a way to win this game and, and hurt themselves. Uh, but Stamkos finds uh, the winner uh, at the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Tabe takes this one five to two um, as Canucks goaltenders not looking good. You know, Spencer no. Martin gets yanked after 10 shots, allowing six goals or sorry, four goals on six shots, uh, four goals, six saves in the first yeah. period. And Colin Delia has to come in and, and be perfect for the rest of the night. Two of Sam Colts's goals, Parker, were very easy. One was a tap in on that first one. Um, from Chlorine, that really good pass after Ethan Bear blew a tire, and then and then, isn't it funny? If we talked about this, as soon as one Canucks player, whether it's a forward defenseman, makes a mistake, it's like they don't know what to do. They don't know how to recover, and we yeah. saw that. And then Samko's third, second goal was nice, cutting through the crease from behind the net, and the third goal was an empty netter. So yes, two of his three goals were quite easy. Parker, this one was like I didn't, I wasn't sitting there and predicting a win just because of the tribute to Gino just because of the skate being freed, one of the worst kept secrets around. But those are two pretty powerful things. And I think I'll give the Canucks presentation team credit. Um, I wasn't at the game, but my son Sean was there. They kind of uh, weave those together quite seamlessly because Gino, when he played here, wore the flying skate. So it was, um, uh, it was a good, solid tribute to Gino, not over the top. They're going to do more uh, later in the year. And then there's also a good introduction to the skate and I don't think either of them were over the top. So I, but I did think Parker, I did hope you give the Canucks a little bit of a boost. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, this was a game where the goaltending was shaky, but really you look at that first Stamkos goal. That is just an absolute tap in yeah. the Kucherov goal where, you know, he's not missing much from there, you know, basically <laughs> a free reign on a slap shot, yeah. um, you know, from the sort of the Pedersen spot. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was over really before it started uh, at that yeah. point, you know, Canucks sort of came out pretty strong, but you know, you put yourself down four against Tampa Bay, you know, even if you get 18 shots in the first period, you don't capitalize on any of them. Yeah. Uh, the game's over. Uh, great point. Great point. So we don't do a little interesting, but yeah. 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 We only, and Canucks even got two power play goals, as you mentioned. So here's the thing though, uh, aside from what you saw on the ice in terms of play, now that you've seen them, what do you think of these third jerseys? I think they're fine. I, I, you know, they basically just took the old ones and then uh, got rid of the white trim and changed the font. Right. Yeah. Um, again, that, that TD logo is an absolute eyesore. Uh, <laughs> the, the splash of green on there. Uh, and the only semblance of white basically on the Jersey as well is in that TD logo, uh, which point. I think is, is not the best look. Um, but honestly, I think they're fine when you're watching on TV, they look basically the same. Yep. as because you're just you're seeing the colors move and yep. they look almost the same as, as the previous ones mm-hmm. um you know the fact that they are now the permanent thirds for the foreseeable future uh is nice it means you get to see them more than five times a year whatever that limit was yeah um but i mean it's it's such a minor change um compared to you know the the one that uh, they used a, a couple of years ago right no that's fair and um i do i do like it a lot not just because uh the Canucks were very generous and gave me a free one. I, I know you saw, I, I got my actual, I kind of went uh, shameless and I just put my own name on it, Canuck Clay. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> and I didn't mind. I, this was a new jersey and I, I didn't mind it. Uh, all my other jerseys have name players on it. So I thought, why why not? Just do it for the heck. Yeah, but I do like it. It looks sharp. And yeah, uh, yeah, we get to see them a dozen times by the end of the year, which is pretty cool. 
Yep. And then uh, the next night, or I guess uh, yeah, two nights later, mm-hmm. uh, they wear them again and they lose again. Uh, <laughs> going going to zero two in these jerseys as they uh, the the Avalanche were in town, uh, and again uh, the Canucks really just you know they, they just got sort of run out of the building, right? They they lose four to one. Um, I I didn't really watch this game. It was sort of on the background. Um, but Colin Delia gets the start. He's sort of stolen the the number two role um, over Spencer Martin. It seems. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, again, 25, 29 isn't, uh, isn't great, but, uh, yeah, this was, um, I mean, it was just another game to me. Yeah. And, uh, it kind of reversed the tale, you know, the Canucks beat Colorado two weeks earlier at Rogers Reno by score four to two. This one, um, Cogliano scores. It was, a. it was actually, it wasn't the best pass by one of the defensemen kind of handcuffed Miller, but Miller did give it up, whatever new hook to Cogliano and then two power play goals for Colorado in the. You're not going to stop Nichushkin or, or Rantanen very often. And then PD scored, actually, Parker, with seven minutes to go. And you thought maybe if the Canucks can get to the second intermission down two or even better, down by one. But then Brad Hunts, out of all players, ex-Canucks scores with 33 seconds left on a weird slapper knuckler from, I don't think it should have gone in, but, and now it's 4-1. And that's that's a big difference in 3-1, especially against the Canucks. Yeah, and you knew Brad Hunt was going to get one, right? <laughs> Of course. Um, yeah, so that was Friday night, and then Saturday night, the Oilers are in town. Third night in the Black Skate, and now they yeah. are 0-3. As, um, I mean, this was this was like the scheduled loss, right? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the Edmonton Oilers are coming into town. Connor McDavid comes into town at 39 goals already this year. Um, and it's, you know, second night of a back-to-back. Uh, you have Spencer Martin, who hasn't been great this year. And uh, the Canucks look okay for the first, like, 60 seconds and then Connor McDavid just decides to do Connor McDavid things goes and scores uh and it's it's kind of you know everyone's like okay well they're just gonna run away with it Canucks make it interesting right you get JT Miller making it 3-2 early in the third period um and then you know the Canucks just trying to get something going they don't uh Newton Hopkins scores on the empty net with about 35 seconds to go and uh the Canucks go 0-3 in this last week on this homestand and fall further and further towards a top pick. Yeah. And we can talk, I, I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about the Bruce Brujo thing, both the Friday and the Saturday, but let's talk about on the ice. Martin was actually okay in this game. He, yeah, the first two goals weren't great, but you know, one of them is Connor McDavid going at full speed. The other one is a beautiful pass from McDavid across the crease. But those goals were more because uh, Canucks player, Tyler Myers, actually, he spoke well to the media on Thursday or Wednesday. I can't remember what it was about. I mean, I can't remember what day, but he spoke quite well. But then Friday, he just had a really bad game. He was pinching at the wrong time. He was getting beat. He was getting walked. And then, yeah, it's uh, it was tough. And it was tough. And the, the one thing I, I will say, Parker, I was at that game, and the team was at least trying. They were trying really hard. You could tell. And I know we're going to get to this, that they knew it was Bruce's last game. They wanted to win for him. And you take away that empty netter. Yeah, they're in the game all the way until uh, 3-2. Um, that empty netter was tough because JT Miller had a pretty good game. He even scored the goal that brought them within one. But then I'm not sure you saw the highlight. It was it was kind of his, I'd say, lack of effort. I'm not saying that they would have... It would have stopped it, but uh, I know Mike and I were, were yelling at JT Miller from our seats in 319 to to wake up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, no, no argument there. Yeah, it was yeah. So really quickly, uh, and I can 
Anything else about the three games? Because I, I guess I can talk about the Boudreaux effect on those, those weekend games. And we can talk in, about Boudreaux firing. Talk yeah, about I don't, work. nothing yeah. else on the hockey itself, right? Okay. Obviously, you have that moment at the end of the game yeah. um, with Boudreaux on the bench that the Sportsnet caught, um, yeah. which was, you know, emotional. And, uh, and you know, again, not the best look on the organization. No. The fact that, you know, that, that, the, that video was the top of the hockey subreddit, like by far. Uh, obviously, the top of the Canucks subreddit. I think it was... Uh, let me just verify really quick. I think sure. there was something crazy high on on the hockey subreddit, but it's being kind of slow to load. Yeah, it had nineteen thousand upvotes on the hockey subreddit. Wow. Um, which, for reference, is like that's that's like that's crazy numbers. It's <laughs> it's like a top twenty post this year, basically. Um, wow. In the entire hockey subreddit, and obviously big on on Twitter and yep. got play everywhere. Um, so when you get those comments from Rutherford and we'll get to that, of course, where it's like, sure. ah, this was like overblown and all, you know, you know, it's, this happens with every coach, not really, but yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. And Friday night. So Friday night against Colorado, there was some audible Bruce, there his chance about three or four. And then on the broadcast, you, that was the one where Bruce kind of touched his heart twice and then he drops an F bomb because he's all emotional. So that was Friday. Saturday, you're right, Parker. It was the, like seven or eight Bruce. There it is, chance. And at the very end of the game, it was indeed 30 seconds because I, I filmed it. 30 seconds after the final buzzer, they were chanting Bruce. There it is. And I, I it was from my seats way up top. I saw all the Canucks fans, kind of uh, Canucks players, kind of huddling and not skating off. And of course, you wait for your coach to go down the tunnel first. It was because Boudreaux was taking a moment to soak it all in, tearing up, looking for his wife, pointing across the other side of the arena, and then made his way down the tunnel. And um, it, Parker, it was it was so surreal to be in the arena because you knew that it was going to be Bruce's last game. The players knew, and he knew, and I, we're going to talk about the way it got handled, but very rarely does a coach know it's going to be his last game, for better or for worse. Usually he gets fired after a game or the next day on a day off, and then he doesn't get to say bye to the fans or the team. So in a weird sort of way, this gave Bruce a chance to actually acknowledge the fans. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that it was different. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was uh, an entirely different, you know, it's not mm -hmm. something we've ever, we ever seen before, right? Yes. Um, you know, you go back to when Travis Green was fired and it was like, ah, the Canucks got blown out the previous night and, you you know, there might be something coming. Right. But it, was, it wasn't like, oh, if they lose this game, they're like, he's done, right? There was none mm -hmm. of that um, or nothing like, you know, especially weeks out. Like, mm -hmm. like literally when you're, when you, the morning of the game, you're seeing tweets like this will be Bruce's last game. <laughs> Rick Tockett will land in Vancouver tomorrow morning and they yeah. will have a press conference on Monday, which ended up getting moved to Sunday. But right. like, you know, it was, it was all so scripted and so pre-planned that like, yeah, like everyone saw this coming a mile away. Um, obviously not, you know, media driven that, that Bruce got, um you know fired if it really was me to driven why wouldn't they have just been like oh no we're not firing him like you know it's silly and yeah uh and then not fire him but you know clearly that was uh that wasn't the case um but yeah uh, so that was Boudreaux's last game mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh and that basically takes us to Sunday right but yeah and by the way did you get a chance to read Boudreaux's uh the article by Michael Russo in The Athletic yet uh, I have Boudreaux? not read that yet Okay, I won't spoil it too much for you so you can read it later. But the one fascinating thing he said, well, among many fascinating things, but one thing, he booked a plane ticket for tonight. I, I believe he's like going to the airport right now or at least checking in. He booked a plane ticket for tonight for him and his wife to fly back to Hershey, Pennsylvania, where they live now. But he booked it two weeks ago. 
like that's kind of funny but really sad and yeah and then he, he says in the article well i obviously i could i could change it if i didn't have to fly out and he he wanted to change it so because he didn't want to get fired but doesn't that kind of yeah sum everything up for us yeah it makes it pretty obvious right that that was you know he saw he saw the date coming right oh it's crazy Uh, you know i thought his comments um you know after the game where he took a took a bit of a shot as well where he said you know well you know they've got columbus seattle and new jersey next and maybe that's part of the reason why i'm gone now right three easier opponents although seattle's doing well and new jersey's doing fine too but you know it's you know saying you know hey three easier opponents that are um, pretty beatable teams uh, for the Canucks. Or sorry, it was Chicago, not New Jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. The New Jersey games after that. But yeah, right. Chicago, Seattle, Columbus. Um, you know, Chicago's not doing well. One of the worst teams in the league. Columbus is the worst team in the league. Uh, <laughs> and and Seattle is, you know, a, a wild card, basically. Yep. Um, yeah, it was, you know, everyone saw it coming. He saw it coming. He took a bit of a shot on the way out, which I think everybody liked, except, uh, except management and sort of the old boys club. You know, we saw some... Some I think one uh, tweet from somebody that said like oh, the old boys club in hockey management isn't happy with how Bruce you know handled this and all this stuff. It's like yeah, well, you're gonna lose in the court of public opinion at yeah. that point. Yes, and Bruce, I think you, well, I can't speak for you, but I think Bruce handled himself pretty darn well, uh, given all the opportunities he had to fire back or to say this is stupid or well, I don't know what's going on. Oh, I kind of said that, but. Overall, I thought he handled himself with a lot of class, took the high road, and he will likely continue to do so going forward. Yeah, he was just honest, right? Like, yeah. And that was sort of always his MO, right? He was honest and he was endearing himself to fans. And maybe that is partially calculated, right? You know, get yep. everyone on your side and, um, True. you know, against, you know, the big bad management, um, which is pretty easy to hate on, uh, especially in Vancouver, right? The management slash ownership group. Um, maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's a little calculated, but doesn't seem to be too much calculated in, in Boudreaux's repertoire historically. So, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah, everyone was sort of, you know, everyone was on his side, um, for the most part. Um, you know, you look at the majority, like, like people run Twitter polls and it was like 90, 10, uh, in favor of Boudreaux. So yeah, I think it was uh, a pretty cut and dry that no one was really a fan of the way he was treated. And even, you know, I was, uh, in Victoria for a hockey tournament this weekend and just mm. talking with um, some of the guys on my hockey team who are more, you know, normal Canucks fans, right? Like guys who aren't, um, you know, on Twitter all day, every day, engaging in arguments and things like that. And just like what their thoughts are. And a lot of them were like, yeah, you know, like I'm fine with them firing Boudreaux, but it's kind of whack how they've, you know, strung it along like this for so long. And I was kind of in the same boat, right? Yeah. If you, if you want to fire Boudreaux, you have every right to do so. And I would understand yeah. why, uh, the team's been underperforming. It's kind of an easy move to make. Yeah. Um, less so on the on the hiring of Taka, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's sort of the general consensus was like, yeah, f- fine with firing him, not fine with how it was done. Were you surprised, Parker, that Trent Cull was let go, yet Mike Yo and Jason King stayed? Yeah, I thought that was odd, especially Mike Yo, mm-hmm. um, because from all sort of accounts, Mike Yo doesn't seem to be. Like there's no, there doesn't seem to be a lot of good like PR around Mike Yo. Like there there has it's been like just sort of constant, um, you know, constant letdowns with Mike right. Yo. Um, right. And I don't know exactly what it is about him, and and most people don't know exactly what it is about him that everyone seems to, <laughs> or that like seems to keep landing him in roles. 
Um, <laughs> but it seems odd for a new coach to be able to bring in two guys with him yeah. and also have two previous guys left over at the same time. Yeah, so Trent Call obviously came up from Abbotsford, so that was not a Rutherford guy. Jason King has been here for years. We know that, so not a Rutherford guy. But And Mike Yo was, right? Or was Yo hired after Rutherford? Yeah, he must have been. I, I have no clue. I think so, maybe. If it's after I, December 8th, then it is. I can check that pretty quick here. Thank you. I know you're uh, July 1st, 22. Oh, yeah, of course. So it was like six months later. Okay, so no wonder he's still here. Yeah, but I was... Uh, or maybe they couldn't. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I was surprised that Jason King wasn't canned. Actually, I was surprised. Yeah, it, it does seem odd. Yeah, you, you know, you hear all these things about like, yeah, the the manager wants to have one of their guys on on coaching staffs, right? And maybe yeah. that's who Yo is. But also right. at the same time, like you just made Rick Talkett your guy, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, you're you're kind of you know tied to the same horse. Um, yeah. You know, you now have your coach. If you are yep. Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, you have, you know, everyone gets one, one firing of a guy that you didn't bring in usually, or even the mm -hmm. first guy you brought in. Um, but now you've used that up, yep. right? You have, you have your guy, you have tied yourself to this wagon, um, a wagon that hasn't had much success historically yep. uh, on a team that hasn't had much success in a while. Um, but we'll see, uh, we'll see how that ends up. Yeah, that wagon doesn't have uh, good wheels right now. Lucas, thank you for the $10 donation. Remember this, we've gone through hell and back as Canucks fans. We can have our opinions and all our opinions are valid. It's an unfortunate season and we have to respect that. Indeed. Uh, thank you, Lucas. W wise words. Thank you for the support as always. And I have seen some chatter going back and forth. Some people dunk, trying to dunk on others for calling the tank from a few months ago. That's fine. You guys, uh, yes, express your opinion. But as always, we expect it to be done respectfully. And that's all that Parker and I ask. Absolutely. Thank you, Lucas. Yes. Very good. Hmm. Okay. So then <laughs> Trent Cole gets fired. Bruce Brudrow gets fired. Culleton, I thought maybe it was being groomed, but I guess not. Or maybe he's still going to be the successor to, to talk it after three years. Who knows? Uh, before we talk about the new guys coming in, anything else about Boudreaux leaving? Anything else about um, Trent Call? Oh, by the way, uh, Bruce Boudreaux's wife, Crystal, sent out a tweet. Um, I, a couple people have highlighted it, saying thank you for the 13 months. Man, when you say 13 months, it's not, well, I guess it's not long. It doesn't seem long, does it? No, it wasn't. I mean, you think about it, it was, it was last December, right? Yeah. Uh, December yeah. 2021. It was, it was really just one year. Um, yeah. And we had that great stretch, and then we had the bad stretch, but that great stretch was enough. Um, and it's easy to see why it was, right? Because it's not like the team got worse under Boudreaux. Technically, I think record-wise, maybe they slightly did. But also, like, the roster didn't get much better, right? Yep. Um, so I think everyone sort of saw that, and uh, and he made himself the good guy in that scenario. Yeah. I like your point, too, when you said... <laughs> and this is the kind of thing I've been talking about with a lot of friends, too, Parker, is if, if Rutherford just kept his mouth shut and let the season play out... And we knew that Boudreaux wasn't his guy. He said as much on July, uh, at the end of the last season in May, when he said, no, he's not going to extend Bruce because he's going to make him adhere to the contract he signed. Then uh, later in the year, he says, I want them to play with more structure and whatever it may be. So if he didn't say anything, you're you're right. The fans may have even demanded a trade, I mean, a, a change if the Canucks continue to play poorly, power, uh, penalty kill suck, defense no good. Some of that you can coach, uh, point to coaching for sure. So 
or would it just ran its course? But then maybe you you're worried you're not going to get Rick Tockett. I don't know. It's just that's the tricky part, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is kind of hard to see the point. Yeah. Right. Like as you're getting at, like, you know, where what's what is the you know best and worst case from making this move now the way they did? Right. Mm -hmm. Is it um, you know. <laughs> like what's best case for the team is it that they get worse and get a better draft pick under talk mm -hmm. yeah is it that they get more time under target to develop their system going into next year right right is it that they get a bump from a new coach going into you know these games and, and having the i think 27th hardest schedule the rest of the way for the rest <laughs> of the season right one of the easiest schedules in hockey oh. um and they get you know a bump and then don't end up you know, at 27th in the league, maybe end up at 23rd in the league. And, and we're talking about the 10th overall pick now instead of the sixth, awesome. um, you know, like, I don't, I don't get it. Like you, again, you could just ride it out the rest of the year. Boudreaux sails off into the sunset at the end of the season. You know, they even maybe, you know, Rutherford even comes out, comes out and says, you know, Hey, you know, we're going to be going a different direction at coach next year. Um, yep. but let's celebrate what Bruce has done for the team. You know, he gets a big standing ovation at the end, the last game of the season and everyone's happy. And then they hire Rick Tockett, you know, the next day and then everything's good. Everything's happy. Um, instead they decide to just have an absolute PR debacle of, <laughs> of, all right, we, you know, we got to get this guy in now and we got to have everyone know it three weeks in advance so that everyone can hate us. <laughs> and, uh... and, you know, they, they just got turned on for no reason. Like they just threw themselves under the bus. Um, for Rick Tockett of all people, right? A, a guy who has barely had a season above 500 uh, as a coach in the NHL. Now, again, mm. not that his record or not that his rosters were great, but neither is this one. Yep. So, you know, it was, it was just, it just is so bizarre to me. Yes. By the way, not bizarre. Thank you, Lucas, for another donation, $5. And you have to take this. I can't even, I don't even know what Rome neural that is. 67. No, uh, it was 48. <laughs> yeah. Google 48. I'm so the, bad. Wait, 10. I think he 10. put 47, but the hat is 48. Okay. Um, right. For Super Bowl 48. And who is that? Uh, the Seahawks over the Broncos. Oh, that was the. Oh, so they're at like 50, whatever, 55 now or something? Something like that. 56, 57, somewhere so along do there. So do I, awesome. Do I recognize the Super Bowl hat, Parker? Is that intentional or not? Is the question. Uh, no, I was just going through my old hats and I found yeah. this one and I thought I'd wear it. And was, I would love uh, to wear a hat, but it makes me look like a four year old boy. So I will never wear a hat. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> Thank you. Oh man, the um, yeah, the we can get to talk. We can get to anything yeah, else so about Boudreaux. You want to? Yeah. No, I I don't think so. But we did. We talked about talk it last week, and sort of you know, I think I expressed my opinions pretty well, and I don't think they've really changed, other than the fact that we've now had a press conference of Rick Talkit, um, and obviously the availability from this morning. Uh, I didn't listen to the press conference yesterday. I was on the ferry home. Yep. Um, but I did listen to his availability from today, like the eight minute or so uh, availability from talk it. Um, mm -hmm. I was fine with it. Yeah. You know, I saw, I saw a lot of people in the comments like, Oh wow. So intriguing. So interesting. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what you're supposed to say as a coach or as anyone in hockey. That's not cliche. Cause that's all it is. Yeah. Um, but he does seem to be going with the pairs mentality, which you could see right off the bat with the lineup, right? Yeah. Stood yeah. Nico on the top line with two good players, right? It's like, okay, yeah. well, they're putting Petey and Kuzmenko together and they're putting, 
you know, they're, you know, they're doing all the groups of two and then having someone else on the side. Yeah. Horvat Besser um, and Miller Garland. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I'm, I, I, I think we've sort of liked that philosophy historically. And I think most coaches now do as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, fine with that. Um, you know, we then see Gonchar and Adam Foote. We saw Gonchar having a long talk with Quinn Hughes today, which yeah. again, looking at that, you know, it's hard not to be a little excited. Again, yeah. I don't want to have I don't want to be optimistic really right now, <laughs> but you know, you look at, you're like, Oh, well, that's a good guy to have teaching Quinn Hughes stuff. Totally. And, you know, and yeah. suddenly you start to think of, you know, not a lot of maybe coaching experience and a lot of like coaching expertise, which is a little worrying to me, mm. but you just look at the names and you're like, Oh, well, you've got some excellent players in Rick Tockett, Adam foot, Sergey Gonchar, the Sedins, um, you know, uh, yeah. Cami Granado, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah. all these names that you're like, well, these are all like excellent hockey players. Uh, who knows about if they're great coaching, right? Um, but a 2005 All Star team, right there. No, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah, some elite <laughs> hockey players, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. And yeah, there's something you kind of hinted at, and I, I wanted to ex- uh, express. I because of who Boost Brujo is and how how much people love him. No matter what Rick Tockett does. I think he's going to be unfairly not get a fair shake to start off. Now, he seems like the type who doesn't care. He's just going to do his thing. And this is going to be good, I think, for the Canucks in in the long run. I really do. He's going to build a culture. He's going to build habits. He's going to build structure. All those things that we know Rutherford and LV want. But I've already seen it. And you you hinted it. You, You nailed it so perfectly, actually. When people were being sarcastic about his seven and a half minute press conference, which I thought was quite, or media availability, which I caught, thought was quite good. He's a good speaker. He's clear, uh, good enough. He, he's clear in what he's trying to do. And he's not afraid to explain what he's trying to do. Um, and But you're right. People are being sarcastic. Oh, how riveting. Oh, wow. This is this is so earth shattered. Whatever. It's just whatever whatever talk it does, I think he's going to have an uphill battle. And that's not his fault. And I, um, I is it sympathy? I don't know. But I, I do feel for him. I think it's going to be, if he can recognize that, then I think he'll, he'll be stronger for it. But I've already seen it. I, I guess is my point. Yeah. And it's another thing that, again, just doesn't make sense as to why this was done right now. Right? Yeah. Like, and the way it was done, right? Like you have soured the fan base and then now you're throwing this guy to the wolves. Um, and yeah, again, I thought he was well-spoken and, and yep. seemed, you know, fairly likable and, um, you know, said most of the right things. Um, but yeah, you, but you are now replacing a fan favorite the next day, right? It's a, yeah, it's a yeah. tough situation. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's just a, seemed like a really dumb situation that he has been hoisted into um by by rutherford for the most part that again mm-hmm. seemed to be entirely avoidable um mm-hmm. you know for the most part yeah 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 and then uh yeah i, I like what you said about you know one thing that rutherford said i, I meant to yeah is he's it, both in sunday's press conference and today's he talked about how he doesn't want his star players playing too many minutes and he wants his bottom six guys to be truly the penalty killers as they usually are on good teams so that's going to be a really interesting kind of a f- philosophical switch I, i'm looking forward to seeing is is he able to hold back a bit on pd horvat miller so on and so forth i don't know we'll see yeah and i've really liked the idea of having patterson on the penalty kill because he mm-hmm. is so smart and he is so good at it yeah um, i also understand the idea of you know every minute that he's out there on the penalty kill is one or yeah is one less minute that he's out there creating scoring chances for the most yes. part. Right. And I can say all I want about how good of a penalty killer Elias Pettersson is, 
Canucks have the worst penalty kill in the league. And at this <laughs> point, something's got to give there. Um, the problem is we've seen it be the worst penalty kill in the league under two coaches at this point, oh. right? Under Travis Green and Bruce Boudreau. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. So, you know, is it, again, is it a roster problem? Is it a coaching problem? It doesn't seem like it can only be a roster problem because they've had like four different sets of penalty killers over the last two years and nothing has worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they kill some penalties, but maybe not too many this year. Let's let's maybe hold off until uh, until 2023-24. And I know you mentioned that you were on the ferry coming back from Victoria on the Sunday. So they had the, I'm sure you saw, they had the three guys up there, Tockett, Alvin, and Rutherford. And uh, Rutherford... <laughs> He, he certainly gives us a lot to talk about. And, of course, along with the whole, you guys caused the speculation. You guys caused the noise. Caused the noise. It wasn't that. So that was obviously, I think, the biggest talking point. But even one funny thing he said, Parker, you might have heard this. He says he's going to zip it. He's not going to talk anymore because he actually felt bad. He uh, he said he didn't apologize to Bruce there. He said, I will apologize to Bruce and to anyone else I offended if me speaking honestly uh was taken the wrong way and i've often talked about how i love rutherford how transparent he is it's such a actually benning was transparent too he just um wasn't the, uh, no I, I shouldn't insult his intelligence he he just didn't run the team well i'll, I'll put it like that but rutherford said he's going to leave the hockey talk now to alvin and talk it so there's one talk about well what was, what was one of the issues with bruce oh he didn't develop the young players like pot he doesn't say pot colson he puts the s in the he said pods Pods Colson, whatever. He said, Pod Colson Huglander did not develop. And then he stopped himself and he said, but I, I said, I'm not going to talk about this. I'll let, and then Patrick Alvin basically said the same thing. So one revelation from Rutherford is that he's not going to be as present or transparent in the media. Yeah, well, yeah, apparently the solution if you keep saying dumb things is to stop talking like it's like wow yeah no it's not it's not that the media is taking your words and and misconstruing them it's that you keep saying you know you start off pretty strong and then you turn around and and say something dumb to to mess it up right Uh, and that's what we did see you know yesterday um uh, on a couple occasions right so Mm -hmm. yeah that that whole like you know throwing it all at the media's feet and, and all this stuff. And then Alvin saying that like he came to this decision, you know, last night or this morning, but somehow Rick talk, it's there at 1 PM. Um, like it, <laughs> it doesn't, it, it just, it's just, you know, it's, it's being open and honest, but also just like twisting the truth consistently. Um, right. And it's really hard to get people on your side when, you know, you have that, that, stark contrast between you know jim rutherford who's who's you know sort of you know sort of this like double speak of that he's pulling and then you have bruce boudreau who's like this chipper open and honest you know emotional guy and even if you know rutherford is maybe being just a little bit shady you know you you have that that hard contrast to boudreau being the exact opposite that just emphasizes you know rutherford's sort of um i don't even know the word to say it but you understand Mm -hmm. um so it's just like, you know, it's, it, I just don't get it. It's, it's just terrible PR really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you, are you willing to give uh talk it a chance from a standpoint of, do you have any preconceived biases about him? Yeah, I think, I think it was a, I, I think it's a weird choice, mm-hmm. right? But most of my ill will towards the weird bad choice, in my opinion, isn't towards talk it. It's towards 
the people who hired him, right? Yeah. Rick Tockett didn't decide to, um, you know, to lose in Arizona, right? And he's not trying to lose here, right? Um, you know, it's like think of, think of Louis Erickson, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't I don't hate Louis Erickson. I hate the contract he was signed to, and I dislike right. Jim Benning for signing that contract. Um, and it's sort of the same thing here, right? Do I think Rick Tockett is the best guy for this job? Well, based on the information that we have and based on his history and his historical record, uh, no, right? He hasn't shown that he is going to be the the savior here, right? Yep. Maybe yep. he will be. I would love it if he is, right? And I will be rooting for Rick Tockett because I want this team to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this team's so much more fun to talk about when they are good, obviously. Yes. yes. So I am, of course, <laughs> cheering for Rick Tockett. Yeah. However, I have the opinion that it is unlikely that Rick Tockett will do much for this team. It was the same after the Oliver Ekman Larson trade. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, basically, I don't like the trade. I don't think it's going to work out, but I really want it to. I really want Ekman Larson to succeed. Same thing after the Miller contract was signed. Yeah. I think it's a bad deal, but I really hope it works out, right? I hope I'm wrong. And this is another case where I just hope I'm wrong. The problem is we haven't been wrong enough. They're still not a good hockey team, uh, unfortunately. And I cannot wait for the day that um, I am eating my hat after yes. you know the Canucks have a fantastic season under Rick Exactly. Tuckett. Eating your hat, your shorts, your shoes, everything, because they are so good. But we don't want that to happen until next year. And so here's the other thing I wanted to bring up, Parker. Could we, you, you mentioned that we have the 27th easiest schedule, or go the other way, the, the uh, 32, 31, 20, yeah, the sixth hardest, uh, easiest schedule of of all teams so what happens oh my gosh parker what happens if talk reels off seven well the canucks went seven wins in a row then they overtime lost then they won their ninth so they they got points in nine straight games when brujo started the brujo bump what happens if they do that and exactly what you said go from 27th overall to 23rd or fourth overall and essentially move from a elite pick to a pretty good pick crazy yeah, Madness, I, mean, I say. I'll just I'll just be frustrated, right? <laughs> and it'll be like, ah, who could have seen this coming? Because uh, it happened last time, and it happens yeah. all the time. This team goes on runs late in the year um, when you need them to not go on ru- runs late in the year, and they uh, ruin their draft position. Um, yeah, every every like every chance that that happens again, uh, <laughs> and it'll look great for Rick Tockett. And, and yeah. like Boudreaux hinted at. Canucks have an easy schedule, right? These next three yeah. games, especially, um, yep. you know, it's, the Canucks have never lost to Seattle, have they? <laughs> right? Like, no, like, they haven't. Like the Chicago is is atrocious. Columbus is even worse. Like this is this is this could quite easily be three quick wins for the Canucks, and now Rick Tockett looks like the savior, and then they, you know, they end up, you know, how many games do they have left? Uh, you know, thirty six yeah. games left. You know, the Canucks win. 20 of them and now they're looking like oh they won 38 games this year they're not that bad yes. when they are right and, and that's yeah. just not the reality i'm looking forward to that's funny how boudreau even mentioned he had the stat ready the last 12 teams he played have a 610 points percentage or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he he had all his uh his bullets ready in his chamber for sure oh man this is yeah. uh, this is gonna be so interesting. I I'm going to the game tomorrow, Parker, uh, celebrating Lunar New Year, and I, I always like to get to that game. So it's the only bowling week I'm missing this week because I I want to be at tomorrow's game, and it just so happens to be 
Rick Tockett's first game. So I, I'm very curious actually to see the yeah. crowd reaction. I will be tuned in to that one for sure. Nice. Um, yeah. And then some other quotes um, we had, uh, you know, there was that Forbes article that came out before Boudreaux got fired. Yep. Right. Which is crazy. Right. Like that's one of those things that like, I bet Aquilini reads that right. <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, an article in Forbes. And yes, yeah, some some pretty hard quotes in there, right? Uh, quote, this unfolding il- situation illustrates the shallowness of their leadership abilities and lack of character. Rutherford and the Aquilini family should be ashamed of themselves. Why would anyone want to play in Vancouver? Like, that's oh. in Forbes. Um, pretty, pretty hard hitting. And then this morning, Frank Saravalli comes out and says, quote, I have it on really good authority, crystal clear, impeccable sourcing that they wanted to make this coaching change months ago. And weren't given the green light by ownership. So, you know, once again, ownership meddling. And again, media being pretty much correct, right? Like, oh, they wanted to get, you know, Rutherford didn't even know he was under contract for this year. And yeah. uh, and um, Aquiline doesn't want to pay three coaches at once, which he's now doing anyways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, all the quotes coming right back at Rutherford and Alvin. Oh, that Sir Valley one's fascinating. So, Parker, do you think if they pulled the trigger back in November, which is what everyone's pointing to when there was that first set of rumors, if they had done that, obviously then we don't have the Bruce twisting in the wind. We don't have the two, the recent Rutherford comments. If they make that change back in November, do you think it's better received? Or is it people saying, oh, man, he didn't have a chance. He, he only got to coach for a month this year. What do you think? Yeah, it would have been bad in a different way, right? Mm. Again, because I'm like, wow, but his whole, you know, resume has been good while he was here. Mm. Um, but at the same time, again, it's it's most people aren't upset with moving on from Boudreaux. Yep. Most people are upset with the way that it that it happened, right? If it had yep. just been a quick, you know, all right, pull the plug, uh, move on. Um, again, it, one of the, like now seems like a pretty decent time to have done it, but just in a much different way. Um, yes. and then again, I think the PR would have been so much better. Um, but they're not concerned with PR. Technically, it's not their job to be concerned with PR, although mm-hmm. Aquilini should care about the PR because it's going to cost him money, most likely. That's why PR is a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just it, it is just bizarre the way that it was handled. And you you would think if it was done, let's say back in November, um, again, if it was a quick change, like hey, we've moved on from him, we've hired this other guy, uh, it is done. Yes. And we're moving on. It wouldn't have been, you know, three weeks of talk about it, right? Yeah. Because it's been three weeks to a month of people. That's all that people have been talking about because it's been obvious this has been happening. And now we talk about it going forward, right? They, they, they still haven't even played a game under Rick Tockett. And we have had <laughs> weeks of takes about Boudreau getting fired before it even happened. So yep. it's just been prolonging the entire process. Check this out. So November 8th, so two months ago, that was when Rutherford went on Sportsnet 650 with Satyr Shaw and Dan Riccio. I just want to read you two quotes. And my point is, I, I have a feeling that Rutherford would not is not going to be saying this about Rick Tockett. I didn't like our training camp, and we continued into the early part of the season the same way our training camp was. There's a lot of things that have to happen, but for in order for us to be a better team, we had to play with a stronger system and really be more accountable for more of the things that some of the players are struggling with. And this was when, yeah, uh, Rutherford basically ripped the loose play of the Canucks under Boudreaux then. And I think um, Tockett is kind of the the counter to that in the way that he coaches, the way he's already been talking about structure and culture and systems and everything. And yes, and, and the book on Tockett is, is kind of the opposite of this team. 
Tockets teams don't score a lot, but they defend better. They're not perfectly, but they defend better. Whereas this team obviously scored a lot and couldn't defend to save their lives. Yeah, my fear is that we get the exact same performance mm -hmm. with a lot less goals, right? <laughs> right. And that and was less entertaining. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, they're still going to win 32 games like over the course of a season. They're yeah. just going to score 80 less goals and allow 80 less goals, right? That doesn't that doesn't make me happier, right? <laughs> That's more boring and um, you know, maybe a little bit better for my heart, but yeah. Um, you know, the swings, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help, right? If if you're getting the same record, you're getting the same record. Um, and I would yeah. much rather see, you know, guys like Horvat score 60 goals or or see Elias Patterson get 100 and something points and Quinn Hughes yeah. get 80 points, right? At least we have the small victories to go on. Uh, instead of a team that's like really good defensively and maybe like, oh, well, at least Demko put up a 909 this year, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. right? And Patterson had 60 points and Horvat has yeah. 60 points and Miller has 55 points, right? Like, yeah. at least we're getting some of the fun, uh, even in these games where they're losing. Um, but yeah, I think if if there's no improvement, but it's just less goals for, less goals against, I'm not really right. seeing that as much of a win. Right. And obviously, yeah, good points all. And obviously, Rutherford wants the team to concentrate on defense. That's why they brought in Gonchar and Foot. Uh, so when you look at it, if you didn't know anything about the drama, anything about the media, anything about the talk, that's a pretty good trade. Boudreaux and Call for Tockett, Gonchar, and and Foot. I would take that at any yeah, every single day. Ice? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. In an alumni but game, you are you got a <laughs> you got a heck of a hockey team. Um, yeah. Again, big fan of of Gonchar and Adam foot. Um, yeah. You know, I, those are hires that I look at and I'm like, well, again, it just seems like more good hockey players to have in the, in the dressing room, right? Mm -hmm. More people that know their stuff about hockey to go alongside the Sedins, um, and, and maybe share some of their knowledge with the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, from a coaching perspective, a little bit less so, right? Sure, sure. If we're going to allow a few minutes for people to chat, uh, we should probably get to your your other topic that you put in the thumb uh, in the title. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't even know about this. So I'm all ears, brother. Yeah, I, I'm get. I got a little uh, maybe a little clickbaity on it, but uh, <laughs> Bo Horvat, um, Bo Horvat, the obvious trade target, right, for the Vancouver Canucks, number one on most trade boards. And for obvious reason, right? A guy who's on an expiring contract, a nice and cheap contract for this year, just five and a half million dollars. A guy who already has 30 goals this season on pace for like 55, uh, 49 points over a point per game, uh, a leader, a centerman, X, Y, Z, obvious trade piece. Yep. Uh, and we've heard that basically every team is involved, right? Right. right. We've heard Carolina. We've heard Detroit. We've heard Boston. Seattle. We've yeah. heard Boston. We've yeah. heard every single team that is anybody has been calling on Bo Horvat. And that is their job. They should be, right? If yes. you're, you know, if you're a GM of a contending team, you know, your job is to make calls on players who are available. Even mm -hmm. if they you think they're gonna be at a rear price range, maybe they aren't. Um, so lots of names get floated around, obviously. Uh, and then Irfan Gafar tweeted out if you're a GM and you want to improve your hockey club, you wouldn't be doing your job. If you didn't call the Canucks on Bo Horvat, the price mm -hmm. is steep. And there have been over a handful of teams over a handful is a weird term. Uh, there have been over a handful of teams with very serious interest 
especially within the last week. Now, this was tweeted out on Friday, so right. last week and a half at this point. And then John Bucci Gross, who is a, you know, obviously a broadcaster. I think he's with ESPN at this point, mm-hmm. um, but pretty well connected um, in the hockey world. And he just tweets out uh, three thinking emojis and just a picture of Shane Wright. And wow. uh, it's one of those things that's like everyone's like, please don't give us hope on this, because if Shane Wright is involved, um, I mean, if you're the Canucks, that is like Slam that up. is like a dream scenario. Right. The only yeah. downside is you're, you're trading Horvat within division, but right. also the Kraken are then trading Shane Wright within division. So yeah. who cares? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it would take. It would probably involve some more on the Canucks side, I would imagine. But if you have an offer that's starting with Shane Wright, I think you are, you should be taking that and running. Yeah. A right shot center who was projected to go number one in the, in the draft fell down to four and he's going to, we know he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder already. So yeah, when I, when I saw that title Parker, when we were preparing for the show, I got excited and then I had no clue what you're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, you look at where, you know, Seattle lies currently um, right now, if I pull up the old standings, I mean, they're second in the Pacific division two games in hand on Vegas, right? Wow. We're talking about a team that, you know, could very, very well be first in the Pacific division this year, right? That's where they're projected by the athletic. Uh, they have the highest odds of making the playoffs in the entire Pacific division. Wow. So if we're talking about a team that is, uh, you know, potentially a, a true contender right now, which no one saw coming coming into this year, especially not me, but I mean, they're on a, a 641 point pace, right? That is on pace four as my computer breaks. Um, nope, that doesn't work. 82 times 0.64 times two. 105 points. Yep. 105 point pace, right? A true, you know, top t- top hockey team. At this point, where do they where are they? They're they're ninth in points and like eighth in points percentage, but they could be a contender and they could be looking to make a you know a rental hockey trade right especially yeah. if they think if they're gonna if they're wanting to resign a guy like Corvette. Right. so one of those things where if somewhat random people had been like suggesting on twitter like oh horvat for shane right i'd be like okay that's dumb seattle will never do that <laughs> when you have a guy who is as well connected as you know Pucci gross is uh just sort of tweeting that out of the blue like it seems like such a random thing that it's like oh maybe maybe that's something that uh, is being tossed around um but who knows yeah, I like Jarhead said uh, Shane Wright is a young Horvat. Um, if Kraken are dumb enough to do it, uh, then make it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Oh, by the way, uh, Lucas, uh, the third donation. Thank you, Lucas. Heard Gonchar and Hughes were chatting during practice. Very interesting development. Yes, thank you. Parker did uh, mention that earlier in the show. But yeah, if anyone, anytime that our star defenseman can learn from yet another star defenseman, that can only help. So we agree, Lucas. I, I think that can only be a good thing for Quinn Hughes, for sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So we got 10 minutes left. If you guys okay. want to ask some questions, get your comments in uh, before we do wrap up. If you are still here, by the way, hit the like button and make sure you are subscribed uh, to Canucks After Dark. And you can also find me on Twitter, Parker's Bucks Clay on Twitter at Canuck Clay. So go give us a follow if you haven't already. I see 166 um, people in the chat. That's there are a lot of you guys in here. Uh, it wow. is a big week. Um, 
So yeah, this is a good time to uh, to get those comments in. Jay saying that Wright has not played an NHL game since December 6, 2022. Mm. That's just kind of the way it works. You can only play, uh, once you play nine NHL games, or maybe it's 10, uh, you can't get sent back to the OHL, uh, and they wanted him to get development time in the OHL. So that's good. why he is uh, he is down there. Taylor, um, we love the fact, sorry, we love the fact that you love these streams. Thank you. We, we love doing them for sure. Let's get to Edmonds. Do you think it might be best for Demko to sit out the rest of the season and come back fresh next year? I do know, Edmund, that the Canucks will be in absolutely no rush to bring Demko back. Don't wait till he's 100%, 110%. Wait till he's like 800% ready to go and then bring him back in. No, I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but they did say they're not. there's no need to rush him in. There's no need. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's no point, right? <laughs> You're, you need everything to go right for Thatcher Demko. You need him to be perfect coming into next year if you want to improve at all um, because the Canucks goaltending has been an absolute sore spot this year uh, mm -hmm. and it started with Demko not playing well from the beginning of the season and whether he had something lingering or if that just happened in the middle completely randomly either way uh, yeah you're not a team that is you know you're not a team that is in fourth in the Pacific trying to make a playoff push right yes. you're not a team that's going to benefit from having Thatcher Demko in the lineup so, you know, the only benefit to having Demko back is is having him play more games and maybe winning more games. And, there, yeah, you want to sit him out as long as humanly possible. Um, excuse me, because at this point, you know, you want to lose games, or at least we yeah. do. Yes. Yep. There's, yeah. And then uh, let Delia and Martin fight it out as they've been doing for the past two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is uh, totally good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Lucas, another donation. Thank you, Lucas. I know it's been a week since the last Canucks After Dark and the boys unveiled their new thirds, but I wonder both your thoughts on the new skate jerseys. Yeah, Lucas, I, I think you may have missed this part as well, or maybe you just popped in late, which is totally cool. But we actually did talk about the, the jerseys for a couple of minutes. Short version, Parker mostly likes them, and I really like them. But yes, uh, thank you once again for the donation. Once again, we yep, appreciate TD it. TD logo sucks. <laughs> that, that too, that too. But you don't really <laughs> notice it during the game. <laughs> they they do stand out though that that green right on the black <laughs> it, yeah it is and the especially in like the the pictures after like whenever the canucks twitter posts like the close-up pictures like the good photography during the game it's like oh that's yes. green <laughs> right in the middle <laughs> um here's a question from edmund do you think spencer martin has gotten worse every game it, it's like they're going top corner on him they do have a book on him now now he's played enough Games where the scouts and opposing coaches they can kind of put together enough film now, and yeah, the you go you go glove high glove on Martin for sure for sure. Yeah, do, do you think he's gotten worse, Parker, or do you think it's just the well, nature I mean, he's, of he's definitely gotten worse than he was last year? Yeah. Um, and I don't think the book is enough to to change that, right? Right. Um, I don't think that takes you from a nine forty or whatever he was to an eight eighty. <laughs> That's just mm -hmm. not how it works. Um, but I, I don't think it's helping, right? He, you know, teams actually can scout and, you know, if he's got a weak spot and all it takes is the video coach to show it for five minutes before the game, say, Hey, yeah. look, this is where his weakness is shoot there. And, uh, and it's going to have an impact, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, are you worried at all? Speaking of Martin, let's say Demko comes back hundred percent. He's all good for next season. He's Martin will be fine for a backup, correct? Or are we... It'll be fine. To, I, yeah. I, I'm in the mindset of, you know, see what's available, see what's out there. Again, don't, there's no reason to really commit yourself that far ahead uh, if you don't mm -hmm. need to. Um, you know, if you have the ability to upgrade, do so, but this team doesn't really have cap space. So I, right. I don't see it really happening. 
Right, right, right. Um, Kai asks, uh, who do you guys think will get the biggest bump under Tockett? Uh, saying that he could really see Pod Colson and Garland flourishing under him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Garland part for sure because Garland played very well in Arizona under Tockett. And I would also say that um, you, you saw it kind of today when Rick Tockett puts his first stamp on the team. And Parker, you and I talked about these pairs of Petey Kuzmenko, Horvat Besser, Old Faithful, and then Miller with Garland. And we've heard already Rick Tockett on both days talk about how much he, he thinks JT Miller can, a proper, properly focused JT Miller can be a huge part of this team, put him at center today, and who was on his wing, Connor Garland. So I, I do agree. I think Garland should get a bump. Yeah. Uh, Jack Stonika, the obvious pick, as he yeah. was getting some some first line ice time today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I do sort of agree. You know, it's the people who have been struggling really for me, because mm-hmm. um, that usually does seem to be the case, right? Some people will do worse, some people will do better. Um, you know, someone like OEL, although the legs just aren't there anymore. You know, it would mm-hmm. be nice if there's some sort of positive impact there. Um, again, Connor Garland, a, a pretty easy candidate potentially um it, yeah i'd sort of go that same direction really interesting uh comment from c edits here thoughts on how truly how objective the interview process is when rutherford alvin searched for candidates because alvin said as part of his presser yesterday parker that he interviewed a f- i can't remember if he used the term few or handful but he intimated that it was more than two i don't know if that's true i don't know yeah i'm not sure either uh, i missed that part but yeah, um, I, I always feel like in these coaching searches, I feel like they've usually got a guy in mind from the beginning. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, what are you? You're not going to learn too too much from these interviews for the most part. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, who knows? Sure, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just looking something up. Go ahead and take the next one. All right, let me scan here. Um, I had one that I liked, and then I lost it, which is great. Um, I thought I saw one about, uh, nope, I got nothing. Okay. Well, I'll say this cause it was just saved me from typing this out. Uh, Tyler asked about meeting me at the game tomorrow, uh, section three seventeen, second intermission. I guess anyone else who's at the game can come see me then. Not, I don't know why you'd want to come see me, but hmm. Tyler three seventeen. that's the Olympic display. I'll meet you there in the second intermission. Thanks Parker for letting me get that in. <laughs> Perfect. No worries. <laughs> Um, we already did talk about Demco a bit. Um, Edmund asking about, you know, the take on Sonique on the top line. I think it's, it's a temporary, right? Like he's, Mm -hmm. who knows if that's even how they skate tomorrow. Right. Um, could just be, you know, trying him out in practice. Maybe he doesn't like what he sees, moves him around. Um, just sounds to me like he, and he even mentioned, uh, in the media availability, he doesn't know anything about him. So he's getting a look. Um, if he does well, makes the DiPietro trade look good. I mean, I think it's hard for the DiPietro trade to look bad no matter what. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't think DiPietro is ever playing another NHL game. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is harsh, us, but yeah. most likely true. Um, so you have a guy playing NHL games for a guy who probably was never going to. Uh, it's again, it's a hard trade to really look bad. Right. And let's end with this one from Justin thoughts on the slight lies during the press conference by management is it offensive to us as a fan base by making us look dumb how can Alvin and JR say they made the decisions that morning talk it teleport yeah uh I, I think a lot of fans saw through a lot of what they said 
I, I, I know that Rutherford and Alvin, they're trying to think on their feet. They're trying to make sure that the story is aligned as they're talking about case in point. We had a meeting with Bruce four weeks ago, says one of them. We had a meeting with Bruce six weeks ago, says whatever. Like, I, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. But Justin, I think what you're getting is the overall vibe is we want to be able to trust our management. We want to be able to trust them when, when they speak. And I think they went a long way to, to breaking or to, to weakening that trust. And I think that is a fair sentiment from Canucks fans. Yeah, it's um, with how open and honest Rutherford had been from the start. Um, I think that was a good look at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Under his tenure. I think it was like, oh, he's going to be pretty blunt and open and honest uh, and all this stuff. And then, yeah, over the last month, really, we've, yeah. we've heard, you know, all the rumblings that, you know, they're trying to get rid of Boudreaux and all this stuff, which all turned out to be correct, right? So that damages, um, you know, their... Um, you know, their trustworthiness. Yeah. And then, yeah, the sort of the double speak that we saw, you know, even just yesterday of, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, we made this decision. You know, we just came to this decision that morning, right? When it was like, oh, weird that, you know, everyone said it was Talk It for weeks then and that, oh, Talk It got there. Oh, and Talk It uh, technically or apparently had a four week out clause on his TNT contract. <laughs> and but you just came to it this morning. Oh, and Boudreaux already had booked his plane ticket out for two days later That's and true. like like there's way too many coincidences for you to have been telling the truth right <laughs> and maybe it was a language thing but you know it's one of those things that you hear all the time like ah i made the decision this morning right that's what every single gm always says uh, after a, a coach gets fired um it, there's just too many coincidences for that to have possibly been true right um, and just like yeah it's like you're you're talking to a, a fan base that is a very, very devoted fan base that knows their stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of media in this market and a lot of, you know, even fan-based media, ourselves included, that follow everything really closely and mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. watching the rest of the league to see what's going on uh, right. and keep up to date online, right? It's, this isn't 20 years ago where... You know, you're reading the province on Tuesday mornings to get your updates on the team, <laughs> right? Or you're or you keep watching the same 30 minutes of of Sports Center uh, over right. and over, or Sportsnet Connect or whatever it was, uh, and you're just seeing the same one hour of highlights over and over again, again that slight little snippet that might change every once in a while, right? We have mm -hmm. constant updates, constant discussion online and and everywhere. That yeah, people are people are really well informed, and when you sort of take that and and blatantly skew the truth, people are going to pick up on it and yes. not take well to it. Well said, and that's why Boudreaux loves his hockey market. That's why Rick Rick Talkett has already said one of the reasons he wanted to be here: passionate and knowledgeable fan base. And I think the the more that people recognize that and respect that, the better everything will be. Great, well said, well said, excellent. All right, folks, we are going to wrap up there in a quick note. Uh, there will be no show next week, I don't believe. Um, are going into All-Star Week. Uh, I'm busy, um, so we're going to take the week off. Uh, unless Clay does a show with someone else, then that is fine. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, Clay, any parting words this evening? Yeah, next week, uh, likely no show. The week after that, we're figuring that out as we speak. So just uh, stay tuned to our socials and, and we'll make a, a post. And uh, no, uh, uh, another great show, a massive show. 
I, I for one, I'm willing to give Rick talk to the doubt, uh, benefit of the doubt. I'm excited to see him last night. And if you're not sick of Canucks talk, you're welcome to join me in about 10 minutes. I'll be continuing some more chat. Um, if you want to join me on my own show later on, but Parker, this was great once again, as always. Yeah. And if you missed yeah. any part of it, feel yes. free to rewind back to meeting her on YouTube, or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform. It'll be up in a matter of 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Parker's Pucks. You can find Clay on Twitter at Canuck Clay. Um, you guys know how that all works at this point. Um, but yeah, hope you all have a good night. You can go join Clay's stream shortly. Uh, <laughs> and other than that, have a good week.